0: Wretched Radio begins in 3, 2, 1 So it's not a sin
1: in your church to have an abortion?
0: That's the kind of conversation we would have, finding out your story,
2: where you're from God's the judge, people have to live with their own conviction. The science is clear the Bible is clear, and if we're honest, our intuitions are clear. We know what we're killing. We're killing a human being.
1: It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Well how long will we Be one
3: nation under God. Oh, oh, pick me, pick me, Mr. Horshack. Wait, that's not right. This is Wretched Radio. That is the voice of Pete Hegseth. Only if you get up at the crack of dawn and watch Fox News, which you probably do because you're an evangelical, he is a co host of the morning program sitting in the big chair for Jesse Waters, a.k.a. Bill O'Reilly knockoff. Have you noticed the similarities? He does a bang up impersonation of his former boss, the gestures, the phrasing, the look, the posture. He was somewhere and sitting in Jesse Water's prime time chair is Pete Hegseth. He sought to answer a very big question. How long are we going to be one nation under God? No doubt this was inspired or it was a reaction to the Pew study, a big religious study that was done last week, week before we talked about it, where they were guesstimating based on the current trends. When will Christianity ultimately go? Which is the sound a world religion makes when it's no longer the majority position? 2070. Is the prediction. This raises an awful lot of questions, doesn't it? Because you and I know what it seems that liberal folks don't quite ponder, and that is a culture must have, you know, a culture? And there will be some sort of religious system that determines the morality the values and the direction of a nation the only question is whose religion is it going to be historically in america whether folks like it or not protestant christianity was the majority religion it's waning quickly and that means somebody is going to try to sit in the chair that protestant christianity once used to occupy they want to tell us what to believe think do say, and they are more than happy to kick God off of his throne, put themselves there and have their value system mandated and dictated on our culture. Aren't we seeing that right now with big tech alone? Let's give a listen to Pete Hegseth and see if we as Protestant Christians can noodle through What are we to do now that it appears that America is no longer going to be a, air quote, Christian nation? An alarming study by Pew Research found that Christianity could possibly
1: become a minority religion in the United States as early as 2045. Look at these numbers. In the 1990s, 90 percent of adults identified as Christians. Then in 2007, it dropped to 78 percent. And most recently, only 64% say they are Christian. Our nation's faith is diminishing at an alarming rate.
3: Our nation's faith. Now, we've got to look at that sentence and dissect it rightly. Otherwise, we could be considered, gasp, a Christian nationalist. The nation's faith is waning. We know, as born-again believers, that a nation isn't all a religion, that a nation isn't filled with people who all confess the same statement of faith. Instead, we believe an individual is born again, individually, and then he is brought not into a nation, but into the kingdom of God. Having said that, and I think this is where we're kind of getting clobbered these days, historically, and I don't think we should be apologizing for this, Never with the guilt that they try to heap on us for this. Here's the reality. This nation was predominantly, not exclusively, but predominantly influenced by Christian values and thinking. Does that make it a Christian nation? Does that mean the faith of the nation is Christian? And the answer is no. But it does mean historically that we have been the dominant religion. The question is why? I believe we have only ourselves to blame. Let's hear it, Pete. I often
1: hear parents and grandparents say, I worked hard so that my kids would live better than I did and have what I didn't have. The World War II generation rightfully said, we fought a world war so that our kids wouldn't have to, so their kids could live in peace and prosperity. Previous generations of Americans did a great job passing along peace, prosperity, leisure, entertainment, and progress in medicine, science, and technology they passed those to their posterity but along the way previous generations passed along all of the wants of the world and not enough of the needs
3: who is this guy that is a most excellent commentary pete hegseth sitting in for jesse waters identifying the root problem and that is our kids aren't believing our grandkids certainly aren't believing We've worked hard to make sure that this is a better planet than the one that we inherited. We worked hard to make sure that our kids could have stuff and enjoy a relatively pain-free life. Have we spent as much time, energy, and dare I say money, in passing down our faith?
1: They took for granted the main ingredient that underwrites all of those worldly advancements. And that's faith. Faith in something greater than ourselves.
3: Okay, this is, he's he's actually in quite deep, no pun intended, waters. He is recognizing that the foundation of the activities of a country are grounded in what they believe about God. Good on him. He's not using theological jingoism, but he is clearly getting to a big problem in this country where do our values come from what motivates us to make this world a better place the belief that god is the
1: architect of our good fortune and the bedrock of our blessings nothing else matters or even makes sense without a sincere reckoning with our creator excellent it's the single most important thing i can teach my kids and you yours somewhere along the line we stop prioritizing christianity in our homes and within our families We took it for granted. I know I did for far too long.
3: The question is why and who's to blame? There are tons of parents who are doing a bang up job, raising up their kids to love Jesus, to obey him and him alone. There's lots of that going on, but we do see a cultural shift. And I think that you can look at, this is a generalization, two realms. First, the church. The church acquiescing to the second realm in view, which is the culture, the secular humanism, the desires and the wants and the whims of people to live any way that they want, the influence of philosophy, of bad religious systems, of using freedom of speech, freedom of religion to actually stifle freedom of speech and freedom of religion. Those are the two realms that I think you can point to and say, "Uh uh-oh, It looks like they are the ones to blame our culture because it was increasingly liberal and it demanded that we throw off the yoke of God. And the church said, okay, we'll get seeker sensitive for you. We'll water things down. And what have we discovered? It didn't work. The scientific evidence is in. The way that we have been training up evangelical children is an absolute bust. It is a total, absolute, complete disaster. We've entertained them to pieces, but we have not taught them much of anything.
1: Assuming that the faith of our forefathers would just self-perpetuate. So Christian schools shrunk. Church attendance plummeted. Prayer outright banned in public life. Christians allowed this to happen. In exchange for convenient and godless public schools. Vapid and decadent entertainment and endless rabbit holes of social media.
3: Wow. Is it possible like that? We're like one of the churches in Revelation that we loved the things of the world. And here's where it does get a little dicey. Working hard so your kids can have things. That is not a sin. It is is a sin when it becomes an idol, or it is a sin when it comes at the expense of the more important thing. And that more important thing, of course, is that our children would love Jesus. If we are no longer predominantly a Christian nation, whether it's 2045, 2070, that's the almost certain prediction, we can only blame the church And the culture for warring against it in the church, actually letting it in. Pete Hegseth, nice work, sir. And it sure is refreshing to hear this conversation on Fox News. It's, it's, It's a delight to hear it in, frankly, any public forum. This is the big stuff right here. He's on to the granddaddy that while we squabble about politics, and there's plenty to squabble about, and it's worth some of our time, perhaps just maybe, thanks to Pew studies, we can do a little self-examination and recognize, ra-oh, Scoob, Our, our nation is in trouble. And because we have not passed down our faith, air quotes on that, we are not actually gonna be passing down posterity where this is a better nation to live in. The key word in all of this is culture. The root word, cult. A culture is driven by the predominant cult. And now that Christianity is no longer going to occupy that chair, the question is what will we become and how do we potentially divert this disaster? next on Wretched Radio. cannot afford them in a local Bible teaching church. Can you imagine the impact? How much do you love your MacArthur Study Bible? For $25, you could put a Bible into the hands of a believer in the Philippines. I'll do the math. It's not tricky. Four Bibles, $100. Maybe you could commit to giving a Bible a month to a believer in the Philippines. Please visit wretched.org slash Bible, wretched.org slash Bible to join the Master's Academy International.
2: In November 2020, Tim Challies and his wife, Aileen, received the phone call Every Parent Treads. Their 20 year old son, Nick, while away at seminary, collapsed and died. As Tim and his wife traveled to Louisville, Tim began to do the only thing he knew to do to process his loss. He began to write. And now all of his writings, some of which have been shared publicly, some not until now for the first time, have all been compiled into his latest book, Seasons of Sorrow, The Pain of Loss and the Comfort of God. Seasons of Sorrow is a book for anyone that is loved and lost. It benefits those that are working through sorrow or those that are comforting others. You'll not only see how God is sovereign over loss but how good he is in those moments. You'll discover how to pass through times of grief while keeping your faith and you'll learn biblical doctrine can work itself out even in life's most difficult situations. Seasons of Sorrow, available now in the Wretched Store at wretched.org.
0: Know Your Church Fathers Polycarp was a disciple of the Apostle John and the Bishop of Smyrma. He was a staunch defender of orthodoxy, combating the Gnostic heresies. Before his death as a martyr, Polycarp proclaimed, 86 years I have served Christ, and He has done me no evil. How could I curse my King who saved me? This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel.
1: Instead of raising our kids to be
0: Christians,
1: learning and living according to the life and teachings of Jesus Christ, we outsourced our values to an increasingly godless culture, schools, and media.
3: Ouch! This is Wretched Radio. That was Pete Hegseth. Who is that man? He typically co-hosts the morning program on Fox News, sitting in for Jesse Waters, not just bringing up the subject of religion in a vague sort of way, but making it clear uh, this nation has been driven by Protestant Christianity. We must not apologize for that. That is just history. Sorry, we're not going to rewrite history. We don't like to do that now, do we? The reality is this country came from Christian churches preaching the gospel to what become Christian people who then live out their faith in the world. And that is simply historical reality. But just like we've seen with every society, There is now a cultural shift, and one of the elements that is always in view and responsible for the collapse of a nation is religion. Go back and study the Assyrians, the Babylonians, the Medo-Persians, the Romans, the Greeks. Study them, and you will discover that they – had a religious system, but then it started to kind of shift and it became less of a thing. Now, there's other factors, of course, but then their nations crumbled. We find it hard to imagine that that could happen. Have you looked at Great Britain lately? They owned most of the world in the 20th century. Not so much anymore. Oh, they still have property around the planet, but it is diminished What happened? And you'd have to take a look again at church and culture. The culture trying to get rid of the church, throwing off its shackles, anything that has to do with traditional morality. And the church has said, fair enough. As long as you just let us exist. Great Britain has shrunk. It it was the world power. It's not anymore. Nor is any other European nation that once held sway, whether it was during the Holy Roman Empire, Germany, Austria-Hungary. What happened to them? And I think the answer is culture. It collapsed because the predominant cult is no longer influencing and driving society, morals, values, motivations, goals. When that goes, so does a nation. It appears that we are in that process right now. Here's the question. What do we do about this? How do we react? Now, I know how a lot of evangelicals are reacting, and I'm, I'm, I'm really earnest in this. I am not criticizing what anybody does with their money. I'm not. I'm simply suggesting maybe, just maybe, we weigh our priorities a bit. Evangelical group, to mobilize Christian vote ahead of midterms is going to spend $40 million. Now, that's really good news on two levels. Number one, maybe it'll have an impact in getting politicians in who at least attempt to adhere to Christian values, traditional morality. That will affect cultural flourishing. That will be a good thing for many people. The second reason this is good news is apparently every local church has enough money, and they don't need this $40 million. And every missionary is flush. So we've got the extra cash. Now, please note, you do with your money as you see fit. But if this Pete Hegseth fellow is correct, and I believe he is, our social ill is not a political sickness. Political sickness is because the head is ill, and the head is the church. Politics flows downstream from religion. So then we ask, hmm, how do we affect change? I am not suggesting you don't engage in the political realm. I'll be voting. I know that. I'll try to talk to people about it and encourage them. Yep, that's, that's the bit that I can play. But... Shouldn't we, if we recognize that the collapse of a culture is due to the collapse of Christianity, wouldn't we do well to bolster up Christianity? How do you do that? It's the same way that it has been done for centuries, and that is Jesus' last command before he ascended into heaven, go and make disciples, teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you till the end of the age was reading an article last night. It was an individual who was encouraging local churches to invest in the lives of young people. And the case, I thought, was rather artfully made because the author asked the question, who influenced you when you were growing up? Maybe a coach, a teacher, somebody in the Boy Scouts back when it was safe to be a part of that organization. It was just somebody. Just a plain old somebody, nobody on TV, nobody famous, nobody exported from an exotic nation, just folks. And that influenced you deeply and profoundly. And how's about your parents? We need the view and perspective of evangelicals to shift from making just a magic wand change in our culture by hopefully a big red wave this fall to realizing if we want better politicians, We simply need more believers and that means our response to the Pew study should be, we need to get busy. We gotta get on this. First of all, in our homes, second of all, with our neighbors, our communities, that we preach the gospel. That's the solution to the problem. Here's the problem with the solution to the problem. It's slow work. We want it immediate. We want it quick. We're watching The Crown at home. Overall, really excellent. When they get into the Princess Margaret stuff, we found ourselves going, we're out. Because it was kind of seamy, frankly. But regularly, the Queen, and it's a it's best I can tell because I'm Googling while I'm watching it, a pretty historic retelling of the life of Queen Elizabeth II. And regularly, throughout it, just the one we watched last night with Prime Minister Wilson in the 60s, when the economy is collapsing, sterling, devalued. And she said, what we do to Lord Mountbatten is wait. Because Lord Mountbatten wanted to form a coup. This is a man who served his nation bravely in war. He was, he was a hero. He was... Retired. He didn't want to be, but he was retired by the Liberal Party. And he got together with a bunch of bankers, businessmen, newspaper men to discuss a coup. And he actually wanted the queen to give it her blessing. And he said, these are unprecedented times. These are times that demand something radical. And her response was, these times demand I'm actually playing the clip for you. These times demand that we do nothing, but we wait. And we go about our rules, and we simply wait for the people to vote in somebody who is better. And if they do not, we wait. Now, we don't want to just sit and wait. You can can put that clip away, Jimmy. Okay, okay. Won't need that anymore. We don't just sit on our hands doing nothing but we're not going to find a quick fix we can't be forming a coup and 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 i and i know i don't think at the moment there's much talk maybe there is and i'm not aware of it but i don't think there's much talk these days about having an actual revolution that is kicked off by christians but i do see a desire we got to get this fixed and we got to get this fixed now because if we don't get the right people in this fall then it's going to be two more years of terrible economy, et cetera. And to a degree, I agree with that. And we should be voting. Please make sure you're registered to vote. And if you're in Georgia, make sure you're registered to vote at least seven times. (laughs) Say in there, do your bit, but it ain't going to fix the problem. A culture is created by a cult, and not in a Jim Jones kind of way, by a religious system. And that means it's a slow movement. That means that it requires a lot of tilling. It means that you and I are going to have to be patient. We're going to have to be like the queen. We're going to have to have the long view and understand our role and our job is not the building of a nation, it's the building of the kingdom of Jesus Christ. And if we take our eye off of that, please note, nowhere in this diatribe have I suggested you don't vote, you don't get involved in politics, and you can give money to whatever you want to. That is between you and God, as long as you've already taken care of your local church. I I, 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 I think that. I might t- want to take this one back. But if your gifts are going to Pax and not your local church, I think you need to rethink that. Give to your local church. You got extra, then you spend it whatever way that you choose. Please make sure you are taking care of your local church first. And let us consider how you and I might see what is happening and respond biblically to the collapse of a civilization. This is Wretched Radio.
2: Ratchet Radio, and I'm Jimmy Hicks. Apparently, it's not enough for transgender activists to control how you speak about their pronouns. Now, they want to control your bathroom habits as well. That new revelation surfaced after men attending a recent American Political Science Association conference were asked to refrain from using urinals, quote, out of respect for others, and others meaning quote, trans men, so women dressed up as men, because they may be triggered, offended, or disturbed because they can't perform the nature-calling question standing up, which means they're not men. Tennessee Senator Marsha Blackburn and Tennessee Governor Bill Lee are calling for an investigation into Vanderbilt University Medical Center following allegations that it's been performing body mutilation surgeries on teenagers suffering from gender dysphoria. Blackburn raised concerns about the reports of youth being given puberty blockers and cross-sex hormones that can lead to sterilization, also saying she was, quote, shocked by the content in Vanderbilt University Medical Center videos that were released in a tweet earlier this week. Governor Lee called for an investigation into the university's pediatric clinic, noting that it raises serious moral, ethical, and legal concerns. And now let's jump to the extreme opposite and go to the city of Chicago, where a new ordinance was passed earlier this week, that declares the Windy City a sanctuary for bodily autonomy. It forbids government agencies and staff from helping other states enforce their abortion laws or laws against the genital and chemical mutilation of children. So basically, it's the exact opposite of what I just told you about the state of Tennessee. And that's the difference in leadership with morals. Well, a diversity and inclusion training by the United States Air Force Academy in Colorado is instructing cadets to use words that include all genders and refrain from saying things like mom or dad. That's actually true. The slide presentation titled Diversity and Inclusion, What It Is and Why We Care and What We Can Do was obtained by Fox News and advises cadets to use person-centered and gender-neutral language when describing individuals. So instead of saying mom or dad, say, how's your parent or your caregiver? What a world, what a world. And here's some inconsistency from NBC.
1: Researchers in Britain wanted to know if babies in the womb react when the mom ingests a flavor of food. So the left is a baby in its resting state. And then on the right, you see how he smiles 20 minutes? The mom ate some carrots.
2: So you just heard NBC's Today Show celebrating a new report that babies in the womb can react to flavor. But this is the same Today Show and the same Today Show hosts who love, celebrate, and promote Abortion. Inconsistent much? More Wretched Radio is straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks.
0: Books of the Bible. 2 Timothy is Paul's last letter before his execution. He encourages Timothy to persevere amid suffering. Paul had suffered for the sake of the gospel, but he also knew the beauty and power of the gospel. He charges Timothy to cling to and preach the gospel. When you face opposition, do not fear or be ashamed, but trust God and rely on his word. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. You wouldn't think we need to talk about this
3: again. This is Wretched Radio. A Ligonier Ministries, every other year, they survey the nation. What is the state of theology in America? And as we've heard, it's pretty abysmal. Evangelical understanding of the exclusivity of Jesus Christ, about half. Believing the Bible has mistakes, about half. Believing that other religions are valid, about half. Believing that Jesus was just a man. The st- It's just mind-boggling statistics that evangelicals are so off theologically. But wait, there's more to this study. <sighs> Gender identity is a matter of choice. Would you like to guess the number of evangelicals who said thumbs up to that in 2022? Jimmy, you will represent the tens and tens of people listening to this program. In 2020, it was 22% of evangelicals agreed. Gender identity is a matter of choice. 22%. What do you think it is two years later? 57%. Okay, you wrecked it. Why? Well, that's way high. Oh, I'm sorry. Did you say, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't hear it right. You said 37%. That's what I meant. Yeah. That's for a third of evangelicals think that your mind can be over matter, that you can think what you are, 37% of the Bible's condemnation of homosexual behavior doesn't apply today. 28% of evangelicals said That's right. Because that's just an old dusty book. We're current. We live in the present. And that means we know more than everybody who's ever lived ever. Gender identity is a matter of choice. Shocking statistic. Wait a second. Hold on. Gender identity is a matter of choice. I've got the exact same. Oh, this is is from American adults. That's why it's 42% of american adults agree that gender identity is a matter of choice 37% of evangelicals agree so we're we're basically about the same as a godless culture that is shocking and that means i'm afraid this issue It does need to be discussed perhaps more. Pastor, you are the man in charge of the sacred desk of your church. You determine what is preached. I'm simply suggesting that maybe you consider ratcheting it up just a bit on some of these tidal wave cultural issues. That might, oh, this is going to hurt to say, that might actually mean a topical sermon on occasion. Or using your text, rightly divided to speak on the subject, not only this subject, but on every other, I, I know it, I know it, it's so distasteful, but we cannot assume, and we can know that the world's influence, they're working hard to educate our kids. They tell us to not indoctrinate, and we now know the reason why, they wanna do it. And if we're not talking to our kids about this, then I think we're in big trouble. I'm trying to recall, Oh, who was I reading? And it was a, a chastisement chastisement, that said, if your kids in your youth group don't feel comfortable enough to approach you and say, hey, I'm kind of struggling with this thing or, hey, I did this thing last night. Can we talk? Um, then you probably need to consider what it is that you're teaching the kids and what you're downloading to them and even the type of relationship that you have with them. Because the kids are dealing with this. And if you homeschool, while it might be a slightly diminished amount of influence that they're receiving from the world, but it is not nothing, it still gets to our kids. And they're asking questions, and they're confused, they're young, they're going through puberty, and they need to be able to talk about this. And the church should be the one place that says, oh, we can absolutely talk about this because we're the only ones who know what is right and wrong. I know that's not very sensitive to our postmodern ears, but we've got the goods. Do our kids know that? Does our congregation know that? Do our people understand these issues? According to this survey from Ligonier, not so much. Rosaria Butterfield is a woman who is a professor at a university. She was also a practicing lesbian for a number of years. She done got saved, courtesy of a kind, patient pastor who continued to invite her into her, their home. She got saved. She's a bright mind, and she's written a number of books now, at least two that I'm aware of, on the subject of LG, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Et cetera. You need four et cetera's just to cover all of the different letters now that exist. Who knew gender was such a panoply? And she just wrote an article for blog.chosentruthovertribe.com. I reject the false teaching of revoice side B theology. This is getting not into the weeds. I think this is getting to a necessary place. If you're not familiar with revoice Side B Theology, this is the organization that found its way in some PC America churches giving seminars to talk about sexual issues. And they have indeed said some good things. We would agree with them that if you have a particular proclivity that is sinful, you can't act on it, period. Doesn't matter what your preference is, you just can't do it. But they say, however, you can maintain those desires just don't act on them furthermore you can hang out with people who have those same proclivities so that you can have community just don't act on them rosaria butterfield i think handles the subject quite nicely jimmy i'm gonna put on my new glasses oh uh, yeah i saw those in there you got that this yeah. <laughs> mrs carr sent these what a kind thing to do uh-huh because you're always looking for your glasses you know what this is the second time now somebody has 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 offered an act of kindness like this oh uh, yeah it was at your church on saturday oh really? everybody was eating chick-fil-a but me <laughs> they, they brought zax for me yes, they did okay silly little thing but it was like oh that was so encouraging <laughs> and this lovely family sending me and look at that scratch resistant reader glasses. Now, if I can just get them out of their case, that would be a a real benefit right now. (laughs) Is it just me, or are they just making things harder to get at these days? Yeah. Well, I can't use them without breaking them, so here we go. I'll just hold it far away. Side B Christianity revoice is tribal, not truthful. Instead of offering fundamental liberty in Christ, including redemption and change, revoice theology denies the power of Christ's blood to sanctify his people such that they no longer are homosexual. Revoice theology is tribal in its use of Freudian anthropology. By the way, speaking of the crown and Sigmund Freud, if this is a historically accurate detail, the mother, Princess Anne, of the king who died about a year or two ago. I think he was ultimately crowned king. Did they get the title king? The prince of, oh, I'm so sorry, my British friends, but the guy who just was married to Queen Elizabeth. <laughs> I bet he'd love that. His mother apparently had been in and out of institutions And it was discovered by the press, and they interviewed her. And in the interview, what we saw, whether it's accurate or not, I don't know, but the rest of the show seems to be, she said she was treated by Sigmund Freud. Then the authors had the courtesy and the truthfulness to put these words into her mouth, and he was not a nice man. No, because he was a perv. We don't need Sigmund Freud's anthropology, especially when it comes to personhood. Revoice recording homosexuality as a morally neutral sexual orientation. It's not. It's not. We have feelings and desires, and Jesus made it clear: you gotta stifle them, Edith. You want to mortify those sins, not live with them. The Bible records both feelings and practices as sinful acts if directed against God's commands. Revoice theology is political in its embrace of LG, etc., language and ideology. Revoice theology believes that homosexual orientation cannot be repented of. In other words, turned from, putting it behind you thereby withholding the power of repentance and sanctification to transform lives. Scripture teaches us to repent and turn back that your sins may be blotted out. Look out for this pernicious teaching inside of the church. It would be another embrace of liberal ideologies that again will cause the church to have an increasing acceptance of of people's proclivities their whims their mind over matter thinking and not actually love them you've of course heard speak truth in love i just heard somebody say truth is love we don't just speak truth lovingly we should do that but speaking truth is love and to not speak the truth biblically and thoroughly is to not love people, and we're actually contributing to a whole lot of pain and heartache. This is Wretched Radio. How's inflation been treating you? If costs for health insurance are skyrocketing in your home, would you please visit Medishare? dot com slash wretched affordable biblical health sharing christians paying for other christians medical bills which means you don't have to worry where the money is going for mm, bad stuff second of all you can save on average five hundred dollars per month and finally medishare it's the gold standard for health care sharing for more than 25 years it works and the members including myself and mrs Freel, love it which is why their customer satisfaction rate is double traditional health insurance if inflation has got you down call up the people at medishare 844-34 bible or medishare.com slash wretched
2: joining us on Wretched Radio today. Have you had the opportunity to check out season one of Transformed? It's like nothing else you'll find on Christian TV. You get the opportunity to be a fly on the wall as you witness real biblical counseling sessions that tackle issues like anxiety and depression and OCD and substance abuse. You'll see how biblical counseling gets to the heart of issues. Transformed is changing lives. And don't just take my word for it. Thanks, so
1: much more transformed.
2: transformed. has literally changed my life. Dr. Greg Gifford and Dale Johnson do a masterful job with Transformed. Season 1 is available now at Transformed.org. Season 2 is currently in development as well as Transformed Couples. And all of this is only made possible by our Gospel Partners. If you're not currently a Gospel Partner, check out Wretched.org slash donate to get answers to any question you may possibly ever have about becoming a Gospel Partner. That's Wretched.org slash donate. Wretched. Amazing Grace,
3: amazing gospel. Hey, isn't this groovy? Dozens of crisis pregnancy centers have been vandalized or set on fire because of the Roe v. Wade decision. A preborn center in Buffalo was firebombed. A preborn clinic in Gresham, Oregon, was hit with an incendiary device a pre-born clinic in Miami vandalized and they're receiving bomb threats in other words the battle for life is becoming a battle for life and yet the pre-born centers continue to open support organizations like preborn and like your local pregnancy clinic that are unwaveringly and without fear opening again today. Offering truth-loving, Christ-centered alternatives to these young women. Be part of the solution. Please join the literal battle for life. Preborn.org/slash wretched. Preborn.org/slash wretched. <laughs>
0: Bible, Jesus is given many titles that teach us about who He is and what He has done. Jesus is called the Physician. Jesus healed many physical ailments during His ministry on earth. When He comes again, He will put an end to death and disease and give us spiritual bodies to last for eternity. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Like I said, Prince Philip! This is Wretched Radio. Sorry,
3: my British friends, that I don't remember the titles of your royalty. It's Prince Philip. I'm perplexed. Why wasn't he King Philip? If you're married to the queen, don't you become the king? Because I know if you're a king and you marry a goyle, she becomes the queen. There's something sexist afoot in all of this. Gotta tell you. (laughs) I looked it up. You did? I did. I was curious. Uh,
2: Had he been given the title of king, he would have outranked her. What, a king is greater than a queen? Apparently. I mean, it was her lineage that was... What? Yeah.
3: So he was never given the title. Well, I'm, I'm not sure that I was wrong about that sexist sort of thing. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I, I don't know that I'd call myself a fan of the monarchical system, but I do see there are oodles of benefits to it. When the upper echelons of society, dare I say the upper class, when they're upper, 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 the nation follows. They seek to follow them. And when you watch the queen, it's, it's really a fascinating series. Be careful because there's some stuff that I, I don't know how bad it got because we just turned it off before with the escapades of Princess Margaret. But it does a relatively decent job of showing the life of the queen. And how she grew into her role and how she was trying to keep the image of the queen up because she knew that culture would follow. And if you look at the images of people, how they dressed, the music that they listened to, it was higher. It was just better when it came to formalities, manners, considerations, politeness, how we do business. All of those things were indeed higher. Higher. Why? Because of the monarchical system. It it also, I think, the manor house system was kind of like having a little royalty in every one of the territories because it buoyed, that's right, it buoyed the villages that were surrounding it. So I'm I'm kind of a, a fan of this system with the exception of the divine right of kings. The episode that we watched two, a few of um, Billy Graham was in town. Nobody else in the palace seemed to dig the North Carolinian, but she did. Met with him two times. She did say something that I thought was fascinating and, well, wrong. She said it to Billy Graham. Mr. Graham. Once again, these are actual clips from the crown. Mr. Graham, there is nobody between me and God. Because she is the head of the Church of England. And she was under the impression, therefore, that she's in first place when it comes to being near to God. Ah, That ain't right. You are near God. You are just as near to God as anybody. You cannot be nearer to God than you currently are. None of us can. Why? Because we are all positionally in the same place. You are in Christ. You get it all. You get all the benefits. You get all the access. You get all of the entrance to it. That is what it means to be a member of God's kingdom, that there is not a hierarchy in the faith. Now, there are roles, most certainly, but if you're a Christian, you're a Christ one, you're as Christian as Jimmy. Probably not the best example I could use. (laughs) Let's go to school, (laughs) shall we? Okay, sorry. Apparently, I'm a bit transfixed on the crown. The episode that we did watch last night was in Wales. It was a mining town, and one of the t- they called it a tip. It's where the coal was dumped. There were reports and there were letters that were written to the coal expert people that run that aspect of the British economy, saying, "Hey, these things are dangerous. They're too big. They're they're five times higher than they actually should be." What happened? It, one of them just came pouring down, and who took the main brunt? of the force of basically a coal avalanche. The school, I believe it was about 120 children out of 140 people died. It was a tragedy. Oof. Let's go to school in the U.S., shall we? Starting in the mid-19th century, the United States began to establish university compulsory education. The thinking was... It's better for society if all of the kids are educated. We will all benefit from being smarter. One person, Horace Mann, the first state secretary of education, forged this commitment. This is a societal pact. You and I just assume schools. Well, yeah, they're schools. It hasn't always been the case, as this history from The New York Times will reveal. Horace Mann came from Massachusetts. The birthplace of the common school in the 1600s, where schoolmasters were paid by taking up a collection from each group of households. Why? Because they had to be funded not through the government, but through the families. It also gave the families a great deal of interest in what was going on in the schools. And we, by the way, are also investing into those schools, even if you don't have a kid, most likely, unless you're over like 62 and your county said you don't have to pay those school taxes anymore we all pay tax we all do have an interest in education we should care what is going on in there horace mann expanded that tradition across the state on horseback to visit every schoolhouse finding mostly neglected drafty old wrecks so he championed schools as the crucible of democracy well i would say religion but schools can help following thomas jefferson Citizens cannot sustain both ignorance and freedom. How did it get paid for? Hello, taxes. By the early 20th century, all states had free primary schools underwritten by us that students were absolutely required to attend. This particular article in The New York Times, they they do spend a lot of time. It's fascinating to watch the balance of stories at The New York Times than ton, tons of stuff on January sixth than Donald Trump these days, but they regularly visit education. They know how crucial that realm is, and if you control that realm, I uh, got to tell you, you're you're going to win with your worldview eventually, because you will have the children, and they become adults, and they have children, and after a number of generations, your de- ideology is accepted. From the New York Times, coronavirus pandemic effectively broke the social compact of university compulsory schooling. And so the closures where the kids had to sit at home turned out to be an entirely big bust. They didn't learn anything. And parents would hire tutors for their kids. Others opted for private and religious schools that reopened sooner. Some had to leave their kids at home in the house or send them to work for wages while the school host doors were closed. And students left public schools at a record rate and they're still leaving. That's not a bad thing, frankly. Wonderful, great Christian teachers in the public system. But the indoctrination that goes on, the sex ed the books in the library, drag queen story time for kindergartners. Oof. Back to the New York Times article, homeschooling is on the rise. Los Angeles said up to 50,000 students were absent on the first day of class this year. And that's kind of ground zero for liberal indoctrination. Now, the article continues to reveal the trend that you no doubt are experiencing these days. Inverted reality. Listen to this. The country has seemingly never had a harder time embracing a shared reality of believing in common values. Okay. The parents who are showing up at school boards yelling about critical race theory and pronouns are trying to get public schools to bend history, reality and values to their liking. Oh, man. That is exactly reverse. That's what that statement is. It is entirely backwards. We're no, we don't want this stuff. CRT is new. My pronouns, it's new. We, 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 we're we the ones who understand what the system was like. It would be far worse if these parents went home and created their own schools because their children would then grow up with one set of unchallenged beliefs. <laughs> Yay, yay, your head could crack open like a melon. That is ex- That's what you do. That's why you want to own the schools. That's why you want to have control of the school boards. This is absolutely amazing. Why my children and the children of like-minded people would grow up with another, emerging as adults who have no hope of understanding one another, much less living together peacefully, Ay 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 they tear down traditions and then have the gall to say you're tearing down the traditions. Well no, you're tearing down the traditions. But this inverted reality society that we live in these days, let's keep going to school. Shall we UCLA is launching a website to attack to track attacks on critical race theory. UCLA the school of law announced the launch of a project that will be dedicated to tracking so-called attacks on the far left concept of critical race theory. Um, that is trying to control speech. And you know what e- UCLA would say? You're trying to control the speech. No, <laughs> they make you bonkers. Allowing users to view a database at any time the concept is criticized at the local, state and federal levels. <laughs> And they accuse us of uh, trying to undermine democracy? Staggering. Until tomorrow, go serve your king.